Wounded Warriors of the Cross, serving those who serve Christ's Church, with your host Rev. Dr. Gary J. Elul. Welcome to Wounded Warriors of the Cross, and I am your host, Gary Alul. I'm a second career bivocational pastor serving in a rural congregation for the past 18 and a half years. I'm also a licensed practicing counselor working in the fields of trauma, complex trauma, PTSD, addiction, and suicide. Thank you for being with us today. I'd like to start out by asking a kind of a simple question, and the question is, When we as Christians think about the term, the four horsemen, where does our mind typically take us? I know for me, where it typically takes me is to the book of Revelation and the revelation given to John. And what we hear in the book of Revelation is this, that the first horseman rides a white horse and its rider had a bow and a crown was given to him and he came out conquering and to conquer. The second horse is bright red, and its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth, so that men should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. The third, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. The third horse represents famine. The fourth and final horse is a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. These four horsemen were given authority over a quarter of the earth to kill with sword, famine, and plague, and all by means of the beasts of the earth. Now, these are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and these are the four horsemen we know of through Scripture itself. But I'm thinking of another type of a four horsemen, a four horsemen that directly affects our ministry, a four horsemen that really affects the way we live our lives, living in the shadow of the cross. And these four horsemen would be the horseman. first horseman is isolation, the second horse is alienation, the third horse division, and the fourth host loneliness. And these four horsemen, these four horsemen of the ministry are just as brutal as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and they are just as deadly as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, because just like the first two horses, these horses bring about conquering and conquering. These four horsemen take uh, take our peace from us. These four horsemen affect us close to home, and these four horsemen cause destruction in our ministry, the destruction and the ruin in our personal lives and lives as Christians living under the cross. Now, as I said, the the four horsemen of the ministry, the first horseman is the horseman is isolation, but more importantly than just isolation, this for, first horseman is how we isolate ourselves living in the ministry, how we self-isolate that causes us division and causes us loneliness. Now, you might be wondering what is the difference between isolation and loneliness, because we can often find ourselves using these words interchangeably, switching these words out one for the other. Because when we think of isolation, the thought of loneliness seems to come up right behind it. But rather than thinking of these two words as one in the same, maybe it would be better to view these two words, isolation and loneliness, as cause and effect. 
Feeling socially isolated, even self-induced social isolation, leads us to loneliness, which takes us to depression and despair that come from loneliness. One thing that leads to another, cause and effect, isolation that leads us to loneliness. Those who struggle with loneliness feel disconnected from those around them. Loneliness gives the feeling of having a lack of people to confide in and feel comfortable and secure with because, in essence, we truly are pack animals. We need others around us to give us that feeling of comfort, to give us that feeling of security. Loneliness is, in a real way, a trust issue. And loneliness comes about when those trust supports in our lives have been known to fail us. Or even worse, when we don't even know what those trust supports in our lives even are. Where on the other hand, social isolation happens when people have few, if not any, social contacts. And even if we wanted to engage in social relationships, we may not have the opportunity to engage in social relationships or even know where we can turn to have social relationships. Now think about your ministry outside of the church work you do. Think about your ministry living under the cross. What social relationships, what social engagements do we interact with outside of the church work that we do? What social relationships and social engagements get to help us, take us away from the work that we do, the calling that we have, and allow us to just feel comfort and security in the people that we are? Or do we choose to self-induced isolation? Do we choose isolation that leads us onto a road of loneliness? What choices do we make? Back in the day when I first got into management and supervision, my mentor and my store manager's name was Chris the Shark Grillo. And this is back in the days of the uh, appliance stores, the appliance store wars that were going on in the bigger cities. And we and you had salesmen like Chris the Shark Grillo or Fast Eddie Gilletti, these guys who could sell ice to Eskimos. And one of the things that Chris taught me when I was moving into my role of supervisor was that it was okay to be friendly with the people I was going to be supervising over, but I couldn't be friends with the people I was supervising over. And this really kind of took me by surprise. And I, because a lot of the people that I was going to be supervising, I had worked with side by side in the department itself. And I asked Chris why I couldn't be friends with these people, and I just had to be friendly with these people. And Chris told me rather plainly, at some point, you may have to reprimand or you may have to fire one of these people. And it's harder to uh, reprimand, it's harder to fire a friend than someone you're just friendly with. It's just a fact of life. Being friendly with people, but not friends with people, to our lives, to the lives we live in in the ministry. How easy is it for us to to just be friendly with people, but having no real friends that we can turn to? A 2022 Barna Research poll showed that pastors feeling isolated and alone went from 28% reporting in 2015 to 47% reporting in 2022. Our role as clergy really sets us up for this kind of a dilemma. Uh, This role as clergy sets us up to give the uh, idea that 
we're not supposed to feel the, the pain of those that we're called to serve. We're not supposed to feel the pain of our congregation. We're not supposed to feel the pain of those individuals that we're called to shepherd over. We're just called to share the gospel. We're just there to share the light and the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're just there to point people towards the resurrection that Christ our Lord promises to us. We're not supposed to feel their pain. We're just supposed to share the gospel. And this causes a division. This causes a separation because it puts us into a position of self-induced isolation. This self-induced isolation that leads us to the feeling of loneliness. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't feel because we certainly do feel. But we have to isolate our feelings as being called in the mystery, we have to isolate our feelings to do the work that we do. Because when we go on hospital calls and we're visiting with people in the hospital, we're visiting with family and friends in the hospital, we're not called to, there to be sorrowful for the things that people are going through. We're there to proclaim the healing words of our Lord and to share the love that Christ has for them. We're there to really proclaim the promise that our Lord has of life and life everlasting. That's the role of the gospel. That's our role as those there to proclaim the gospel. And at funerals, it's not our place to mourn as others mourn. We're, our place isn't there to grieve as friends and family grieve because our role is very different. Our role, again, is there to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise that our Lord gave to us of life and life everlasting. That's the promise of the gospel. And this is where the rub really comes in for us because we're not allowed to really feel their pain. We're there to share the gospel. And this is the division that separates us and makes people almost feel like we don't feel the pain that they're going through, that we don't feel the suffering that they're going through, but we really do. And then the second horseman of the, of the four horsemen of the ministry is alienation. And this is how people alienate us. Because as much as we are self-isolating, as we are dealing with self-induced isolation, how many people just don't see us as objects to fill a service? We're just objects there to fill the role of the ministry. We're just there and anybody can replace us. We're just pieces and parts of a puzzle that can be taken out and a new piece put in without any real problem. Yes, we're called to share the proper words, and yes, we're called to do the proper rites. But after that, as far as so many are concerned, we can just fade into the background like the proverbial fly on the wall. Because we have done the work we have been called to do, and now we can just go away. Like we're not even people, like we're not even people that hurt, that we're not people who grieve. So many people look at us like that. So many people within our own congregations see us as that. So many people that we work with within the ministry see us as that. I think of a story of a friend of mine. His name is Dennis. And Dennis and I were both second career at the seminary, and we both got called to congregations. And one day, Dennis was at our house uh, because we were going to a conference together, and we were sitting in the my backyard enjoying the late sunlight and having a beer. And Dennis said, boy, this is really great that you're able to do this. And I said, uh, 
do what? And he said that you're able to sit in your backyard and and just sit back and enjoy a beer and enjoy the uh, late afternoon sun. And I said, "Uh, why? Aren't you able to do that same thing? Now, Dennis lived in a parsonage, and I lived in a house that my wife and I had purchased. And Dennis said, no. He said, if one of my congregation members saw me sitting in the backyard drinking a beer, the fur would fly. Because as their pastor, my congregation believes that I have always got to be ready to run to the hospital. I always need to be ready to do the work that my calling is there to do. Always do the work of the job of being uh, their, their pastor, you know. Having a pastor that smells like beer just doesn't really cut it as far as my congregation is concerned. Dennis felt alienation. And alienation leads to division, and division leads to loneliness, and loneliness leads to people going their own way. A few years later, Dennis ended up leaving that congregation and leaving the ministry altogether and going back to the work that he did prior to going to the seminary. For me, my saving grace came through, of all things, the Patriot Guard Riders. Now, the Patriot Guard Riders is a motorcycle group that was established back in 2005. And the purpose of the Patriot Guard Riders was to shield families of fallen heroes who had given their lives in our ongoing desert wars of the day. Uh, The role of the Patriot Guard Riders was to shield these families from those who would disrupt the services of their loved ones. And at some of these missions, meals were provided. Now, at one of these meals, I was sitting at a table, and some other guys joined me sitting at the table itself. And one of the guys at the table pointed to another table, and he said, those are the chaplains, and that's their table. He said, you can always tell the chaplains, those are, they're the chaplain types that always sit together. Now, I don't think that this guy said this maliciously. I don't think he said this to be unkind or anything else. I think it was just kind of part of the conversation that was going on. But this was how people see chaplains, and this is how people see pastors, and this is how people see church workers, and this is how people see those in the ministry, as if we want to all just sit together and be apart from everybody else. It's as if we choose isolation. It's as if we choose alienation. It's as if we choose division. And so finally that we choose loneliness and the problems that come with loneliness. And it's this loneliness, it's this alienation, it's this social isolation that we do not choose that can negatively affect our mental health as well as our physical health. Because during times of isolation and the feeling of loneliness, a person might notice an increase in muscle tension, digestive troubles, and chest pains. It's reported that social isolation and loneliness can lead to a shortened lifespan that increases your risk of death to a similar degree as smoking. And that chronic stress of isolation and loneliness can impair a person's immune system and lead to more physical joint inflammation. And a combination of chronic stress, inflammation, and impaired immunity can increase a person's risk of cardiovascular disease as well as autoimmune disorders. Our physical health is affected by our emotional health. It's just a scientific truth. 
Loneliness can also lead to a reduction in the quality of a person's sleep, leading to a cascade of other problems. Maybe a toss and turn at night, then suffer daytime fatigue, irritability, and lack of focus because your body isn't getting the rest it needs. A study showed isolation and loneliness can affect a person's cognitive function, increasing the risk of Alzheimer's disease and dementia. And if a person isn't already struggling with mental illness, the lack of social support may worsen their condition. And for some, the feeling of isolation and loneliness may lead a person to contemplate or attempt suicide. We need to remember that social support is an important factor in reducing a lot of mental and physical issues, including the risk of suicide. Sometimes we forget the mission our Lord called us to follow. In Mark chapter 2, we hear, And as Jesus reclined at table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed Jesus. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus reached out to the many who followed him, what I like to call the ministry of presence. Jesus was present with those who followed him, and Jesus shared fellowship with them, not preaching and teaching, but just being present with them. Through showing his love, through his actions of caring, and just being there. Maybe we, as those living in the shadow of the cross, ought to learn a lesson. That sometimes we have to step away from our ministry. Sometimes we have to step away from the work that we do, serving the congregations that we do. Sometimes we have to step away from fulfilling the role that we fulfill in order to really be doing the ministry our Lord is calling us to do. The ministry of presence, not just for us, but for those around us also. Because doing the work of the ministry, living in the shadow of the cross, we fight the battle of spiritual warfare every day of our lives. Living in the shadow of the cross puts us in the crosshairs of fighting that spiritual warfare in the lives that we lead. And we are attacked by the four horsemen of the ministry in what we say and what we do. The four horsemen that are always working to conquer us. The four horsemen that are always trying to take our peace from us. And we know this because right now you might be filled with self-doubt as you wonder why you can't seem to connect with others. You might be filled with self-loathing because you feel you're not fulfilling your calling as you were called to do. You might be filled with disgust with yourself, feeling as though you haven't prayed enough, as if you haven't studied enough, as if you haven't given enough, or that you haven't done enough. And if you were just to do a little bit more, the ship that's steering your depression and despair would right itself, and everything would be fine. 
You know you care about those who you're called to serve. You know you are called to serve our Lord's church and God's people. You know the cross our Lord placed upon your shoulder, and you know that it can be heavy. But this weight caused by the four horsemen, this depression and despair that we feel is almost unbearable. And when the four horsemen come knocking, isolation, alienation, division, and loneliness, those four horsemen that come to conquer and take away our peace, we can begin to question our own self-value and our own self-worth. When we are hit with isolation, when we are hit with alienation, when we are hit with division and the loneliness that follows, sometimes these negative thought patterns can spiral us down into depression and all the darkness that can come to follow. Christ immersed himself in the people he came to serve, those people like you and like me to deal with isolation, to deal with alienation, to deal with division and loneliness, the four horsemen of the ministry, maybe we as those living in the shadow of the cross should follow our Lord's lead and follow him by immersing ourselves in the crowds and to be just members of the crowd. According to a 2020 LifeWay research poll on struggles pastors face, an 85% response to one question was, you are always seen as the pastor in the room. How many of us live this every day of our lives, always feeling like we are the pastors in the room? Our Lord teaches us this. Jesus hung around with those who followed him, people like you and me. Not to stand up and not to stand apart from, but to stand with. Jesus practiced immersion therapy. Jesus practiced the ministry of presence. Something we have to remember is that we are called to walk with the larger community our Lord has blessed us with. Our Lord has called us to walk with the larger community, not just the members of our congregation and not just individual church members, but the larger community we live in and we are blessed with. In a real way, we have to remove ourselves mentally and physically from those things that are causing us the feelings of isolation, alienation, and division. These things that lead us to loneliness and the depression and despair that follows, the mental and physical pains that follow. We have to remove ourselves in a real mental and physical way in order for us to be able to deal with this. We have to practice immersion therapy where we are not to stand atop of, we are not to stand apart from, and we are not to stand away from, but we are called to stand with those outside of our normal ministry, outside of our congregation, and outside of our fellow church members, where we are to practice the ministry of presence for our own mental and physical good, our own mental and physical well-being. In all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we learn that Jesus stands with sinners, random strangers, in the waters of Christ's baptism. The people didn't know who Jesus was. The people didn't know what Jesus had come to do, but our Lord knew what he was there to do for them. Our duty, 
our calling is to be immersed in the world that we live in for the sake of our mental and physical health, to better fulfill the ministry we are called to serve. What do we need to do moving forward? We need to join groups and organizations outside of our area, something not related to the church or your ministry, where you are not the pastor or the clergy person in the room. You are just you. We need to schedule time on our calendars. Now, we all have calendars, and I think you all have the same kind of calendars that I might have, and these calendars guide our lives. We need to schedule time to do the things that we enjoy doing. Even scheduling an hour a week can make a huge difference in our lives. It's the ministry of presence for yourself. And when you schedule family time, and you really need to schedule family time, you need to mute or turn off your phones and to put them aside where you can't see them and focus on what it means to be just a husband or a wife, a parent or a child, where we just relax in the ministry of the presence of our family. To want a change means that we have to be the change we desire, which means taking the time to care for our own mental and physical health. Because if we don't, nobody else is going to take care of us. To break the cycle of isolation, to break the pattern of alienation, to break those things that bring about division and the loneliness that follows, we as those living in the shadow of the cross must choose to do something different. Because those we are serving will never see the pain we're struggling against. Let me repeat, those we are serving will never see the alienation, will never see the isolation, will never see the division and the loneliness that we are struggling against. They will never understand those things that are trying to conquer us and those things that are trying to take our peace away from us. The people we serve will never see that. To want a change means that we have to be the change that we desire. We need to take care of our mental health like we do our physical health because our mental health truly does affect our physical health. Take time for physical health and take time for mental health, or we will be taken over by the four horsemen of the ministry and the depression and despair that will follow. At Wounded Warriors of the Cross Ministries, we are working on the development of a virtual group therapy program where pastors, church workers, and those in the ministry can log on and sign into this program anonymously to share their personal issues with the four horsemen and other issues that face their ministries in a private, safe, and comfortable venue and gain insight from the group dynamic of other wounded warriors of the cross going through the same spiritual fight that you are. But till this program is up and running, remember, other wounded warriors of the cross will be here with individual doctrinally-based Christian counseling to serve you in your time of need. Wounded warriors of the cross, serving those who are serving Christ's church. Join us for our next episode on Wounded Warriors of the Cross, the Crown of Glory or the Cloud of Despair as we discuss how depression affects our ministry.